0: What I have discovered is the most important thing in life.
1: Oh, hey, and welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast, presented by Hippo Direct. This is your place to hear from a new entrepreneur or innovator every single Wednesday morning who's unleashing creativity to grow their business. I'm your host, Max Branstetter, digital marketing dude at Hippo Direct, and you can email me at max at hippodirect.com with any questions on digital marketing or podcasting. This is episode number 33, and boy, do we have something seriously cool for you today. Our guest is Susan Bennett, and she is the original voice of Siri. She's been featured on more TV shows than most people you know and on more iPhones than everyone you know. Hear how she became Siri, what her life is like, and what you can do to break out of your comfort zone. It's Seriously Susan. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, We are here with an incredibly special guest, Seriously Susan, Susan Bennett, the original voice of Siri herself. How are you doing today, Susan?
0: Hi, Max.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that that probably never gets old does it
0: <laughs> <laughs> not for some people
1: <laughs> yeah this this is so special and surreal uh siri on, on the other end i mean i don't i don't know how much you get mistaken for siri on a day-to-day basis but anybody that hears you in in audio form uh, surely is very familiar with your voice uh I, I'm very excited for our interview today, and we'll talk a little bit about your journey, a little bit about the industry as a whole, and some other fun stuff. Just to get us started, you know, the first thing that is on everyone's mind, how did you become Siri? How did that process get started?
0: Well, very interesting. I don't know. No, <laughs> uh, you know, Apple has never really disclosed how they ended up choosing the voice, and I never worked directly with Apple, and I've spoken to other original Siri voices, of course, there was more than one, I was the English voice worldwide. But then, um, of course, they had different voice actors doing different languages for different countries. And I've spoken to some of those other people and they had the same experience, which was, we worked for a company called Nuance, which is an IVR company, Interactive Voice Response. Mm -hmm. And the recordings that we did were for them and we were paid by them. And then Apple uh, apparently got our voices from them, and I think, if I'm not, uh, if I'm correct about this, I think Apple did purchase Nuance. And so that's how that all happened. But I do know that from a personal perspective, I would not have been the voice of Siri if I had not already been a voice actor. So from my perspective, that's, that's how it ended up happening.
1: Right, so in terms of the actual, like the first day that you started the recordings for what, unbeknownst to you, would end up to be Siri. What was that like? Like, what what was the actual work like and how time-consuming was it?
0: Well, it was very time-consuming. The initial recordings were done in 2005 and the scripts were very different from any other scripts that I had read. I worked four hours a day, five days a week for an entire month. And huh. that was just for the initial vocabulary. I did some updates for about four months in 2011 and 12. But the original recordings, the initial recordings... The scripts were very strange and it was very tedious work because uh, I'll explain the whole process. The scripts Mm -hmm. that we read were made up of phrases and sentences that were created to get all of the sound combinations in the language. And so what that means is the phrases and sentences were totally nonsensical because they were created just for sound and not at all for (laughs) meaning or content. So I was reading stuff like cow hoist in the tub hut today militia oi hallucinate buckra okra ooze and then there were repetitive things where you're trying to get different vowel sounds within a particular word so you'd read something over and over like say the shredding again 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 so it was extremely Yes, and yes, I, I I do attribute any kind of uh, loss of gray matter to that particular experience.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think he I think you still have plenty of gray matter.
0: Oh, thank you. There's there's a little bit left, yeah. But yeah. anyway, those recordings were done, and afterwards technicians and computers would go into the recordings, extract sounds, reform these sounds into new phrases and sentences, and these are what ended up on our devices. It's called concatenation. Uh, so Siri was the first concatenated voice that sounded human and that you could interact with. The older concatenated voices sounded like this, hello, how are you? Very robotic <laughs> sounding. And uh, you know, I don't think people realize that, that Siri was sort of the first public manifestation of AI. And they've been working on AI since the late 60s or early 70s. So it took many, many years to create Siri. And uh, so that's why she was so iconic. Suddenly, we had this this little computerized phone system that could. Talk back to
1: us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and everyone is is familiar with her. But though, I, I'm just blown away from those sentences that you mentioned that you had to read You know, before everything was concatenated. I don't think I could even just say one of those sentences stand alone. The fact that you did that for months on end is impressive. <laughs> They're pretty intricate combinations of words and sounds, and it's very fascinating how that's the kind of thing that I guess is just combined into creating actual sentences.
0: Yes, well, the first iteration of that type of work. I worked for Lucent Technologies, and boy, that was really tough. I had to wear this thing around my throat called a laryngograph because it went over the larynx to measure sound waves. And the director I had was really exacting. Everything had to be so articulate and said so perfectly that it was really, really strange. I mean, I, you know, I think Lucent went out of business, but that, that may be why. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe, yeah. I, I don't think people are, are, are too fond of wearing things around their, their yeah, throat. That, but. Was, that
0: was very weird. So yeah. the recordings were very, very tedious because in order for the recordings to be right, for the concatenation process we had to read each sentence and phrase exactly the same so the same pacing the same tone the same pitch so it's very very hard not only on the psyche but it was very hard on the vocal cords you know because when we speak yeah. we we go up and down, you know, we take breaks and yeah, that was pretty hard work. They wanted to put me under contract for five years and I said, no, I think I've killed enough brain cells already. Thank oh, you. <laughs> five
1: years. Oh my God. Well, yeah. Siri would be you know, speaking languages that don't even exist at that point. <laughs> but, but this can apply to people in any job if they're doing something that's super tedious you know, mentally, how did you get through that? How, how did you get yourself motivated to go to work every day? And even though this is tedious, and even though you're losing gray matter, as you said, how did you keep chugging along and keep that, you know, enthusiasm and that wonderful voice throughout it?
0: Well, you, you just had to focus. I just had to focus on what I was doing, uh, making sure that every little, you know, sound, every little consonant and vowel was pronounced. Uh, and of course, I did take a lot of breaks. They did, uh, you know, let me take some breaks. And of course, I was a brat. I was recording in my home studio. So I just go down to my jammies in the morning and sit there for four hours. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as, as a lot of jobs. You know, I think just focusing was the main thing.
1: Yeah, yeah totally. And when did you first know that you were actually Siri?
0: <laughs> well, Siri appeared on October 4th, 2011. And that's when I found out a fellow voice actor emailed me and said, hey, we're playing around with this new Apple iPhone app. Isn't this you? And I went, what? So I went on the Apple side and listened and was horrified. (laughs) I had absolutely (laughs) no idea. Um, I felt very ambivalent about it because on on one hand, I thought, wow, basically the new voice of Apple, really? And then the other (laughs) hand, I'm going, oh, wait a minute. I've never worked directly for Apple. What's going on here? And who is this Siri person? So that was, a, that was the beginning of a, a whole new era in my life.
1: Right. Yeah. What was your gut reaction when you thought, holy shit, millions and millions of people are going to hear my voice every single day?
0: Yeah. Well, there's a very, you know, like everything else in life, you, you know, if you really think about it, it had a big positive and it had a big negative. And so it took me two whole years to reveal myself as the voice because I wasn't really sure I could deal with it. I'm kind of an introvert. Uh, well, I am an introvert and, uh, <laughs> and I can rise to the occasion because I am a musician. I've had to perform in my life and get up on stage. I don't have a problem with that, but it's the uh, length of time. After a while, it's sort of like, okay, I need to go home. <laughs> I need to go home and <laughs> myself and read my book. Right. So I wasn't sure how I was going to face whatever fame was going to come with it. And I also didn't like the fact that we humans really do love to stereotype. And especially in my business, people really do like to typecast you. And I knew that if Mm -hmm. people knew that I was the voice of Siri, that they would think that that's all I could do. Um, Especially in our very ADD culture now, people really don't spend time looking into what else you can do. It's sort of like, oh, she's Siri. Well, never mind.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or, Or like, she's Siri. This is the coolest thing in the world.
0: Yeah, she's Siri, but oh well, she's Siri. So she works for Apple, and that's that. So uh, yeah, I really had to do a lot of soul searching. It took me a long time, and mm-hmm. finally, my husband and son—you know—the females in my life were, you know, were very understanding of me and my. But my husband and son said, "You're an idiot. <laughs> this is a huge <laughs> opportunity. You need to do this." Finally, they got through to me, and they were right. Sometimes. When you step out of your proverbial comfort zone, the universe is with you, and that's what happened to me. Yeah. Very grateful to old Siri.
1: <laughs> it's an amazing story, and it is it is very cool that you've made that jump. But I'm curious, before we get into that for a little bit, I'm curious, how much does it affect you now on the day-to-day basis? Like, when you're at the grocery store, do people recognize your voice, or is it kind of incognito?
0: No, not at all. That's the nice thing. In fact, in all the years that I was on the iPhone, only two people- recognized my voice in real life. One was a banker and one was a waiter. And I told them both, I said, oh, you guys are in the wrong industry. If if your ears are this good, you need to be working in audio somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but mostly, you know, when I speak, the Siri voice is not exactly my voice. They took my voice and manipulated it a bit. Because when my husband, who is an audio engineer and a guitar player, we made up a little conversation between Susan Bennett and Siri And when he was doing the Siri voice, he really had to do some manipulating and compressing and that sort of thing to make it sound like Siri. Uh, So people, first of all, people don't expect to hear the Siri voice coming out of human. So they don't Mm -hmm. expect to hear it. So they're not really hearing it. Right. Also, it would be tough to really recognize it because I speak up here and the original Siri mostly spoke down there. So, you know, (laughs) I walked around talking like that. It might be a different story, you know, so... Holy cow, I, yeah. That's the nice thing is that I really don't have that kind of fame. I just don't know what I would do if I had that kind of fame where people recognized me everywhere I went. I, that would be really bad. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have that kind of fame.
1: Yeah. Well, Well. fortunately, you don't look like the iPhone screen when you're walking around, so that's a good thing.
0: <laughs> very, yeah, I consider that a big plus. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: You mentioned that you, you finally made that jump after you thought about it and did some soul searching. You finally made that jump and got from from out of the voice booth to on stage in these speaking events. What's the biggest difference you've noticed from speaking into a microphone in a booth like we are now versus speaking to a crowd of people?
0: Oh, it's a night and day. Uh, first of all, the uh, from a vocal point of view, it's a totally different approach. Speaking events, of course, you still have a microphone. It's not quite as far as theater of course they're mic'd in the theater now too but mm-hmm. you know in the theater you really have to project and when you're in a big dealing with a big audience you have to project whereas in front of a microphone you really have to be careful not to project too much uh, a little is a lot in front of a, a microphone in a small booth so it's a it's a totally different approach
1: i want to transition a little bit into the industry as a whole the the voice industry and what we're seeing with this boom of audio now, especially with assistants like Siri and, you know, you got Alexa, you have so many smart speakers nowadays and podcast listening has increased like crazy. So I want to dive into that a little bit. For anybody that is interested in a career as a voiceover artist or has their own podcast or anything like that, what tips do you have as far as making sure that you sound your best as much as possible like do you have any routines did you you know is there anything you drank something like that for your vocal cords
0: well i think first of all you have to try to take care of your voice uh don't overuse it try to use it intelligently don't do stuff like sugar dairy and alcohol so in other words don't have any fun
1: (laughs) (laughs) i I was gonna say yeah i uh...
0: (laughs) yeah no there are are certain vocal exercises that you can do and, and that i like to do to warm myself up but as far as the voiceover industry it is totally unrecognizable from when I broke into it because there used to be a structure And now there really isn't a structure. It's sort of like, I call it the Wild West of voiceover now because everybody wants to get into voiceover. Everybody wants to get that one commercial that's going to pay them a hundred grand. And so everybody (laughs) is getting into it. So you've got a lot of amateurs involved and you've got all these websites like voices.com and voice123. And the structure in the past was that the director, the writer, producer, whatever, would go to your agent and say, okay, this is what I'm looking for. And the agent would come up with 10 or 15 people and say, I and have auditioned those people. And I was exclusive with an agency here in Atlanta for many years. And so that exclusivity helped me as well because my agents would say, Well, you should really talk to Susan Bennett because she's very versatile. She takes direction well. She always shows up on time, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I had a lot of help at that time. Now you're really on your own in order yeah. to compete in today's voiceover world, you really do need to have your own setup. And of course, it's never been easier than, uh, you know, ever to have your own setup. You just need a smartphone, a mixer face, um, a good microphone and a closet, basically. And uh, <laughs> yes, and, and internet connection, you know, and uh, so it's, it's totally, totally different. From my point of view, tips all I can say is that voiceover is a lot more than just having a good voice or an unusual voice. Um, you start there. But basically, for a lot of what you're trying to do, and you really have to, there's a lot of competition. So you have to be good at what you do. So from my point of view, you want to start with having the skills. You know, one of the skills is being able to read well, you know, and have mm-hmm. the vocabulary to be able to sit down and just, you know, read something cold. You know, it's not as vital as it used to be. You know, when I started out, I used to have to read whole paragraphs or whole pages without a mistake because it was being put onto tape, you know, and people (laughs) didn't want to have to splice the tape. And uh, every time you made a mistake now, of course, you know, everything's digital and everything's done with the computer and it's so much easier and quicker. Uh, So it's it's totally changed. And and basically, you don't really have to be quite as professional as you used to have, have to be. But you still have to be able to act and you still have to be able to take direction. So I always encourage people to take classes of any kind, whether it's with voice coaches or you know group coaching, but also acting classes, being able to really express yourself, especially just through the voice. And for any of your listeners who are really, really interested in this, go to my website, SusanCBennett.com and contact me through that. And I'd be happy to send you a doc that I put together to tell you how to go about doing this if you're really serious about
1: it. Perfect. And appreciate the serious pun as well. Seriously, Susan. Yeah, serious. You can't, you can't like everything
0: resist. Everything is serious. C us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. No, those are really good tips. And you you mentioned the reading. Of course, you have to be good at reading. I mean, in this industry, if you're not, I imagine it just makes things exponentially harder. How did you personally get better at that? I mean, do you spend a lot of time reading outside of your work?
0: Oh, I do. I read all the time. And uh, and I love words.
1: That's a good thing. <laughs> yes,
0: my, my interest in that is, has helped me. But also it's funny, I look back, sometimes we can tell what we're going to do in adulthood by, by what attracts us as kids. And I can remember, I think it was second grade, and I remember this kid's name, Nancy Lawton. I was so envious of her because she could just pick up a book and read flawlessly. And I just thought, oh, that is so cool. I really wanna learn how to do that. (laughs) And so somewhere in the gray matter, it was just already starting, you know, that I was interested in reading and speaking. So yes, I do do a lot of reading and I encourage people to read. And, you know, uh, with, depending on what you're doing, radio and TV commercials, you're not gonna have to learn big words, but if you end up doing, technical narrations or or medical narrations, you know, you really have to be able to understand the construction of words, you know, what, what syllables are. And if you have to guess the uh, pronunciation of something, you know, you need to have a little bit of that background to help you out there. I think.
1: Yeah.
0: My approach is never stop learning. Never stop learning. Always try to keep your mind open and learn whatever you can learn because it will do nothing but help you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've gotten more into reading as I've, you know, started to lose my gray matter as well. And no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I've gotten more into reading and I've always been obsessed with learning as well. And part of what I love about this sort of content or digital age is there's so many amazing resources and quick ways to get information and, and read about insightful things. How about you personally? What type of reading is your favorite? Like what what genre of books do you like to read?
0: Well, I really like fiction and I really like, I really love to read literature, books that are where you notice how beautiful the language is. Now, sometimes that can be, you know, I also like to mix it up with, you know, murder mysteries and things like that, just, you know, for fun. But I'm also uh, been studying Spanish for many years. And although I try to read books in Spanish, I I do get frustrated because, uh, you know, I feel like I spend most of my, you know, anything that would be like, Isabella Allende or something like that, I'd spend most of my time in the Spanish dictionary. <laughs>
1: <So we're, laughs> right.
0: Which yeah. kind of limits the fun factor, <laughs> but yeah.
1: Yeah. And any specific books that you want to shout out? Any favorites that come to mind?
0: Oh, dear. You would ask me that. I read so many that I, you know, and, <laughs> and I read on my Kindle. And so consequently, a lot of times I forget the titles. I'm, I'm reading something called, I think it's called Essex Serpent right now. And that's, Wow, it's really amazingly written. Um, So I'm sort of enjoying that. In fact, I went on Facebook the other day and said, okay, I'm looking for a book. Let me know what you're reading. And it was so cool to have so many people write in and and make suggestions. And uh, it's good to know that people are still reading out there. That's great.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And and that's something we talk about with a lot of our podcast guests. And from the episodes that we've done so far, we've compiled a reading list of all their favorites. So I think you'd appreciate that. Uh, it's 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 on our HippoDirect blog, hippodirect.com slash blog, but we share it out a lot. And you know, we're in the same boat. We love reading and love hearing about what books are most interesting to people. So we'll make sure to add yours to the list as well. But anyway, there's so many good ones. And and actually a lot of a lot of the top ones, especially in the business world come up very frequently among uh, entrepreneurs and creative business people. So it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. On that creativity note, what else do you do to stay creative, to stay inspired? I mean, you mentioned you are a musician as is your husband. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Music is probably the defining thing in my life. And it was the thing that actually led me to voiceover because uh, I was started playing the piano by ear when I was about three or four. And uh, my parents were not musical, so a next-door neighbor heard me playing on this toy piano. And he called my parents and said, I think you have a musical child. She's, she's playing songs on this, <laughs> on this one octave <laughs> piano.
1: I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: and uh, he was an elderly man, and he was about to move, and he gave me his upright piano. And so I started taking piano lessons, which I did for, you no, know, gosh, I think about 12 years and uh, so I play piano and, and uh, keyboard bass and sing. And uh, my husband and I had a, a private event band for a couple of decades, actually. And now we're just playing for fun, really. Uh, he, he works you know, regularly, uh, still playing music, but right. we work together in a band called Boomers Gone Wild. And we play nothing <laughs> but 60s and 70s rock and soul music. And it's so much fun because everybody in the band plays by ear. And so people shout out requests and we just kind of bumble through it. It's just, just a lot of fun. <laughs>
1: oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. And and I mean, I love the tie in between the voiceover business and the music business. I mean, it's a, they, they go hand in hand. But Boomer's Gone Wild, I love that name. Is there a place that people can check you guys out?
0: Yeah, we play once. We play the first Sunday of every month, unless it's an odd time and we didn't play Super Bowl Sunday. But the first Sunday of every month in Dahlonega, Georgia, which is about an hour north of Atlanta, Mm. in a little club called the crimson moon and it's very very cool
1: awesome and, and are you guys on youtube is there any videos of you or, or places online or was it pretty
0: unfortunately the videos are just are pretty uh raw <laughs> oh okay you
1: know
0: uh promotional materials let's put it that way We're, it's really strictly a fun thing
1: yeah Also, on this creativity note, how about people? Who was the most influential for you to start speaking into a microphone and get into this voice world in the first place?
0: Well, I got into it by accident. I used to work. There was a fabulous studio in Atlanta called Doppler Studios, and they were there for close to 50 years. They just closed a couple of years ago. and I used to work there all the time during a time when you could actually have a career singing jingles, um, which is what I do, and I, I sang lead on a lot of things. And I also sang in groups. And one day we had finished singing for a particular product, which I don't really remember.
1: (laughs) Must have been a fantastic product.
0: Yeah, it really must have impressed me. But
1: uh,
0: (laughs) the the, um, voice actor didn't show up to read the copy for the spot. So the studio owner at the time, Pete Caldwell, said, Susan, you don't have an accent. Come over here and read this copy. And I was able (laughs) to do it pretty easily. And I thought, oh, ding, 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 because, you know, we're all freelancers, always, you know, scraping and scrabbling, looking for more work. So I thought, oh, I can do this. So (laughs) I got a voice coach and then a talent agent, and I've been doing that ever since.
1: Wow. And... So well, let's go back to like when you first recorded for Siri, for example, if you were doing that four hours a day, outside of those four hours, how much time were you spending on, you know, with a voice coach or focusing on your voice and making sure that you were ready for when you were on and actually recording?
0: Well, you know, it's a funny thing. There's a fine line between doing too much work and um, not doing enough work because, you know, your vocal cords, you can strengthen them by working, you know, make sure you're using them correctly. right I really didn't do a whole lot outside of the Siri recordings when I was recording those initial ones it was July of 2005 and the summertime is a a typically very slow time for voice work you know any kind of advertising they don't you know, start up again till late July or first of August for back to school type things and Mm -hmm. so I really didn't have a lot of other work I was working with my band on the weekends But yeah, that work was very exacting and was very, very tiring. And so I didn't do a lot of outside work at that time. You just, you know, I basically went, I I worked those four hours and then I basically shut up for the rest of the day, (laughs) (laughs) ready for the next day. Yeah. Yeah, And you have to know yourself. Yeah. You have to know yourself. I've had to fight allergies, you know, all my life too. And so you really have to know yourself and your limitations and what, what works for you. As in life everywhere, you get to, you know, know yourself, know, know who you are and what you need.
1: Yeah. I think the vast majority of people would be shocked to know that Siri has to battle with allergies.
0: <laughs> well, it's not as bad as it used to be. That's the nice thing about allergies. Sometimes, you know, your body's supposedly changes completely every seven years so the things mm. i used to be horrifically allergic to i are no longer a problem so that's that's a
1: big plus that's good yeah it's an ongoing battle for myself as well i cannot because springtime is very rough let's just say that can you imagine getting a 100 open rate on your next marketing message well you can with extra large postcards that are impossible to ignore Hippo Direct can help you find the perfect list of proven direct mail responders. We can even help lay out and design the postcard for you. Check us out at hippodirect.com. Let's transition here. Just a couple quicker segments here before we wrap up. Uh, the first one is a recurring segment we do, which is the Wild Business Shoutout of the Week. The Wild Business Shoutout of the Week. <laughs> wild business shadow of the week this is where we talk about a, a marketing campaign advertising campaign that stuck out to us and why so there's a pretty historic one that we were chatting about earlier you want to talk about that for a little bit yeah
0: it's funny because i don't pay as much attention to uh commercials as i used to because you know thanks to netflix and amazon you know most of what i watch is commercial less <laughs> but yeah. I'll have to say I was extremely impressed by the got milk campaign because not only was it just, you know, ubiquitous, it was everywhere, it was very prevalent, and people just locked onto it right away and remembered it. Other products, other companies started using that phrase for their own product, like, you know, got milk, okay, got coke. Well, they didn't of course, Coca-Cola didn't do that. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that yeah, I know, what you mean. You know. I'm sure
0: it would be just, you know, more, uh, you know, perhaps local companies taking over that, but it became a phrase It became a catchphrase. And uh, so, boy, oh, boy, you don't get, you know, better advertising than that. And so who I, I don't know who invented that, who came up with that phrase, but that was just genius.
1: Yeah, that's that's an amazing one. And it's still like it's still one of the first ones that comes to mind. So it's stood the test of time, which is difficult for any campaign to do. You know, there's a few different touch points of where I actually came across that ca- campaign in my life. Obviously, there was tons of magazine ads I saw growing up. I remember in middle school, there were these posters. So, of course, they're all about, you know, middle school is having strong bones and things like that. So there were all these posters with athletes with the Got Milk. And I studied marketing and, and entrepreneurship in college. I had a consumer behavior class and we studied famous campaigns like this. And the origin of the Got Milk campaign was very fascinating because it was basically... An approach of deprivation they found out that people when they were thinking about milk they weren't too interested in it just being milk but people love to have it with their cookies they love to have it with their cereal and they approach people and were like hey could you imagine eating these other things or doing these other things when you couldn't have milk right and that's sort of where the whole got milk thing was born or like hey you got it and so that's a really, really good example. That's, that's a strong one. So anyway, that's Got Milk. Uh, so this has been sponsored. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so let's wrap up here with some rapid fire Q&A. All right. For it? All right. Let's get wild. What is your favorite Siri phrase of all time?
0: Oh, wow. Let's see. Oh, wow. See the fact that I didn't actually say phrases. <laughs> I don't talk to Siri.
1: <laughs> right. It may so you don't. So you don't. Act, you don't talk to Siri. Is that? Is this just like weird you out or?
0: Oh yeah. When yeah. When my voice was not. Yeah. It was just too strange to talk to this little right and have my own voice come back at me. It was just too weird. But you know, yeah. I, I love it when she says. You know, when she she just won't commit to anything. She'll say something. I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. You know, I don't understand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> okay. How, and you're, you're a big musician. What's your favorite instrument that you ever played?
0: Oh, well, I, let's see. I tried the viola. That was a disaster. <laughs> Never really attracted to any kind of horn. Uh, I think I've always just played keyboard. Um, but I'll tell you what, the fa- my favorite thing about playing the keyboard now is that I split my keyboard in half and this, the left hand side is um, bass and connected to a bass amp. And I love playing bass. Oh. That's really a favorite thing for me. And I've done it so much now that I had to play a gig for New Year's Eve and they had a bass player and I was just supposed to play incidental keyboard and I really felt like I had to tie my left hand behind my back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I think probably my favorite instrument of all time, though, is guitar. And my husband is a fabulous guitar player. I I can play the guitar, but I don't do it often enough to be be good at it. Mostly just playing keyboard.
1: I'm I'm sure you're better than you say you are. But actually, uh, a, a little behind the scenes here, when we did our, our brief sound check, your husband was actually playing guitar in the background. <laughs> right,
0: right. Yes, he was in the basement. He was really, uh, he, he was up to 11, let's put it that way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought, uh, yeah, I was expecting to hear the voice of Siri and I heard a, a fantastic guitar solo. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. What is your favorite Netflix show?
0: Oh, Netflix show. Well, you mean just uh, streaming in general?
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned Netflix earlier, so I'm not sure if it's, it's oh, shows okay. or movies that you watch, but anything that comes out to you. that
0: Oh well, yeah. I think probably my favorite series. It's a it's a toss up between The Sopranos and Dexter.
1: Oh yeah, classics.
0: And I know, sort of like, oh, Siri is kind of macabre. <laughs> <laughs> you watch out for Siri. She knows where you live. <laughs> and she does. Oh my God. <laughs>
1: but, yeah, she does. Oh. She, yeah, she's in your pocket or purse all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love those series. And I, I hate the fact that I know them so well that I can't go back and watch them right now because it's, you know, I just know them too well. But the acting is just incredible. Yeah. We enjoyed the Americans. Mm-hmm. And as far as, um, I love movies, really love movies. and
1: Oh, yeah? What's your favorite?
0: Well, right now, uh, it's neck and neck between Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book. Oh. And I really hate that there weren't that many really stellar movies in 2018 to me. And so I, I really hate that those two fabulous movies are really pitted against each other. And I'm really sorry that Tom <laughs> and and Vigo Mortensen can't both win.
1: <laughs> right. My parents are incredibly huge Queen fan. And I like Queen as well. But they saw Bohemian Rhapsody like the first weekend it came out and they just could not speak any higher of it. Apparently he did an incredible job. Yeah,
0: Rami Malik. And I from what I read or someone told me that he spent four years working on that character. And I'll tell you what, he looked just like Freddie Mercury. And he even did some of the singing. And you yeah. couldn't tell. You couldn't tell which was Freddie and which was Rami. So I mean that that was just an incredibly stellar performance. Really amazing.
1: I trust your kind words towards him because you must have a pretty good ear when it comes to audio.
0: <laughs> well, the thing is, too, that there, I don't, there's there's something about his performance, there's something about that movie that you can watch it over and over again. It's just very compelling, very compelling. And there are a lot, a lot of things about Freddie that you just don't know. I mean, mostly mm-hmm. people, are, oh, yeah, he died of AIDS and he was gay. Well, actually, he was bisexual and he had a long relationship with a woman. And, you know, it was just a lot of interesting things. And I don't think most people knew that he really sort of directed the band and the recordings, a lot of the recordings that he did, they did. And a lot of, you know, it was a lot of his ideas, production ideas in the, in the studio. So, I mean, I, I learned a lot about him just from the movie. So, yeah, but it's also extremely entertaining. You know, I really, they did some great, a great job getting actors that looked very much like the actual guys in the band. And yeah, it was great.
1: Yeah. What's your biggest pet peeve?
0: biggest pet peeve. Oh, I think it's probably the abuse of the English language. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a good one.
0: You know, people, oh, people say things wrong all the time and forget writing and punctuation and grammar. That's, that's gone. That's totally gone. But you know, I think the English language is so cool because it's so precise you can say exactly what you mean if you have the vocabulary and you know we're not doing that anymore we're, we're speaking in um, symbols and emojis and and that sort of thing. <laughs> and I really hate it I'm studying Spanish and you know it's interesting that you can say in two words in English what, what will take you like eight words in Spanish and and because right. uh, I think there are like 225,000 words in Spanish but there are over a million in English so you can be really, really precise. Like I was asking my Spanish teacher, I said, well, how do you say dread in Spanish? And she said, well, miedo. And I said, well, that's fear. You know, and fear and dread, they're similar, but they're not exactly the same. And so English is so beautiful and, and we're, it's kind of going away. So I that I think that's my biggest pet peeve.
1: Ah, uh, See, yeah, claro que sí. See.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: see, and, and, and the last question then, out of all the millions of English words, what is your favorite word? Oh, wow!
0: Favorite English word? Oh, wow! Let me think about that.
1: It could be wow.
0: Oh uh, no,
1: that's <laughs> I'm just messing with you.
0: Oh wow! You know, I'm sitting here thinking, out and nothing but Spanish words are coming to mind.
1: <laughs> oh, is that funny? How that works?
0: Maybe you put me on the spot, and I and I just and I'm just running away.
1: Maybe. What is your favorito uh, palabra oh, de español?
0: <laughs> Perspicacious
1: sorry, can you say that again?
0: (laughs) Perspicacious.
1: Perspicacious?
0: Perspicacious, which means you can really see through things. Ooh. Perspicacious. Yeah. That's a good one.
1: Guess who learned a new word today?
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's not like you'd use it very often. (laughs) No, first of all, no one would know what it meant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a great one. Cool. I, I
0: love all these weird words and it's funny in Spanish. You know, I learned it from the beginning. I mean, I learned it. I didn't just learn phrases. I learned the actual verbs and the conjugations and the the grammar and syntax and all of that. And it's really funny, the the words that will stay in my memory. I have some just weird words that you almost never use. So... (laughs) <laughs> I just have this weird thing about words, so.
1: Yeah, well, it's a good skill to have.
0: It's fun. I find it, at least it's amusing. And I'm at yeah. least I'm using my brain, which is very important. Use your brain.
1: It is, yeah. Words to live by. Well, thank you so much, Susan. This has been amazing. I really appreciate you sharing your story, the series story, the Susan Bennett story, and much, much more. Thanks for taking the time out of your day. And for anybody that wants to reach out to you, where's the best place to connect with you?
0: I would say probably uh, reach out to me through email and you can find that on my website, which is SusanCBennett.com, B-E-N-N-E-T-T. And um, I'm on social media, although I'll have to say that I do have someone that really deals with that for me. <laughs> it's at SeriouslySusan for Twitter and Instagram. And the Facebook page is susanbennett Siri. And Seriously is S-I-R-I. O-U-S-L-Y, Siri hustling.
1: <laughs> well, I'm a huge fan of the pun as well, so I appreciate Oh,
0: good. <laughs> well, there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I notice. I mean, you have, yeah, let's just say a few Twitter followers. How, how much does that impact your day-to-day? I mean, are you involved with that at all or is it all your partner?
0: Well, it's mostly mostly the, I have a fabulous person, uh, Ben Landis with Fanbase, and he mm-hmm. basically takes care of most of the Twitter situation. I also, my podcast partner, Randall Kenneth Jones, look up his podcast as well, jones.show. He does a lot of my social media, too, because, you know, I, I'm just not of the generation that is particularly attracted to that. And on top of being kind of an introvert, it's sort of like, well, do I really want to put myself out there to this many people? I'll have to say that I was kind of disappointed in Twitter in the sense that I wanted to put myself out there to do more beneficial stuff for right. my career and for other people and for the most part i i think that it kind of stays on a bit of a superficial shallow level so that's that's been kind of a disappointment so okay. i'm not a huge uh social media person although i i do understand its importance mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> right and the you got a couple million followers was that was that built up kind of after you became public with the whole series thing or like how how what one yes. involved? in Oh, definitely.
0: It. Yeah, yeah. No, no one's interested in Susan Bennett. You know, <laughs> people are
1: interested. <laughs> I'm interested. In Susan. <laughs> oh,
0: well, thank you, Max. <laughs> um, yeah, it, the the whole Siri thing opened up. It, you know, it, I have to say this: it was it was a life lesson for me because when I first found out about it, I was not that thrilled. And then I once I learned to accept it. That's a huge thing in life is acceptance. It wasn't something that I could change. I had to change myself to adapt to it. You know, Siri wasn't going away. Um, I wasn't going to be able to sue Apple. You know, that's, that, <laughs> those things were not going to happen. And so I had to figure out a way to turn it to the positive for me. And mm-hmm. once I did that scary thing, it was scary to me to come out as Siri. And so I was really holding off. But once I faced that fear and jumped out of the old comfort zone Boy, oh boy, the universe was really with me. I just had all sorts of really incredible opportunities and experiences. You know, I was on just tons of TV shows. And the most important two things that happened is I got fabulous agents in Los Angeles at Vox Inc. Wes Stevens and Tom Lawless. They're fantastic. They've done great things for me. Mm -hmm. But the most surprising thing uh, was a brand new career of Siri appearances and speaker events. And of course, you know, I probably would not have been able to achieve that or have that kind of career without the notoriety of being Siri. And so I'm, you know, it was a great life lesson for me. And I just, you know, I'm very grateful for it. So it's, it's been a very positive thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Seriously, as, as one would say. Seriously. But, <laughs> so last thing here, do you have a final quote or just a one line final thought to end with? Whatever you want. The stage is yours. Siri has the booth.
0: Okay, everyone, what I have discovered is the most important thing in life, have a sense of humor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Susan Bennett, the voice of Siri.
0: Thank you, Max. It was a lot of fun. Thank you.
1: I don't know about you, but I will never think of Siri the same way again. And I mean that in the best way. Thank you so much, Susan. That was incredible. Thank you, Wild listeners, for tuning in to another episode. Here are some things you can try out with Siri or without. Hey, Siri, I'd like to subscribe to the Wild Business Growth Podcast. I'd like to leave a review for the Wild Business Growth Podcast. Take me to hippodirect.com slash blog. Take me to hippodirect.com slash newsletter. Take me to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or LinkedIn, where I can connect with HippoDirect and Max Brandstetter. All right, that's all for this week's episode. Until next time, let your business run wild. Bring on the bongos!